Welcome to The Mosh Zone, Episode 3, Volume 3, Week 3, Number 3. This week, we've got a big show, lots going on, lots to happen, lots to get through. We've got all the latest in The Mosh News. We've got album reviews from Mammoth Grinder, Ill-Natured, Sleeping Giant, and one of the most talked about albums, certainly of 2018, if not of the last few years, and that's The New Machine Head. We also this week got a chance to sit down with Shane of Silverstein. It was an honour and a privilege to sit down with someone who's not only a pioneer in the heavy music scene, but also a pioneer in the podcast scene. So that's coming up. Let's kick off with the Mosh News. One of the notable news headlines this week was the Grammys. Yeah, you know that kind of mainstream music award ceremony? That one that never really recognises heavy music? Yeah, that one, the Grammys. This week, hotly tipped and very well backed by a lot of fans and media outlets, Code Orange were pipped at the post by Mastodon. A lot of people are coming out saying this is a defeat for the heavy scene and this is a negative uh, reaction and a negative award giving it to Mastodon. And I think that's not fair. That's straight off not fair. You're detracting from Mastodon. Mastodon deserved a Grammy. But the big talking point really is, is should we really care about the Grammys? I don't, I don't remember when anyone really cared about the Grammys. We had the absolute circus situation with Lady Gaga and Metallica last year. We had the situation last year where Megadeth came out to a Metallica song playing in the background. The Grammys has never recognised heavy music. Now, while that is really shitty, sucks a lot, and I wish they'd take some time to recognise us, it also shouldn't bother us. It's never really bothered us. We're an underground, we're a community that don't need mainstream recognition. Yes, mainstream recognition would help the scene grow, but look at how healthy the scene has grown thanks to social media, thanks to streaming services, thanks to downloads, things like that. The scene is already at a healthy spot. Yes, it would help it grow even further if we had more mainstream recognition, but we also don't need it. We're the underdog. We're the underground. And it shouldn't matter now, and it should never matter. So the fact that everyone's, you know, up in arms going, oh, no, oh, Code Orange didn't win, oh, relax. Doesn't matter. It's the mainstream. If you want every Tom, Dick and Harry to start getting into metal, then I think we'd lose what integrity and what fucking pride we have in it that we do now. So let's not worry about it. The Grammys happen. Meh. And we also need to remember that the, the heavy music segment or the heavy metal hard rock segment doesn't even get broadcast on TV. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They don't care about us. We shouldn't care about them. Let's just move on. Not worry about the Grammys. Next bit of news is Converge. They had a bit of a run-in this week with a concert goer. So Converge were playing in California when a uh, fan decided... Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to crowd surf and I'm going to get up on stage. So he did. I mean, at first, Converge didn't seem to really be bothered with it. He put his arm around Jacob, the singer of Converge, and then that's when everything stopped. The band completely stopped playing and it just went silent. 
The most humiliating part for this fella is that the crowd just started booing him non-stop. He then jumped off the stage to try and, you know, crowd surf back in. Nobody catched him. No one assisted him. And it looked like he face-planted pretty bad. The whole thing was captured on camera, posted on the internet, posted on Instagram. i got to say, balls to get up there and think you can take a selfie with Converge. But when you think of bands that are going to allow you to take a selfie, I don't think Converge are at the top of your list. You know, it's kind of like going, I'm going to get up there and get a selfie with Slayer. Yeah, it wouldn't be smart. Next bit of news is the Tool album watch news. Things are getting more confusing as every day goes by. So there's been rumours and circulations that the album's going to be coming out this year, finally after 12 years. This week there was a picture of Nurgle of Behemoth. He was in the studio with a couple of the Tool guys and he said that he's heard a couple of songs and he gave rave reviews about it. Then, a couple of days later, Maynard, the man himself, comes out and says nothing's tracked, nothing's ready, and it's not going to be ready for a couple of years. So we're sitting back now going, uh, okay. I do think this is just Maynard playing games. He's known for playing games. I think this album's coming out this year. We hotly tip that it'll be out this year. So keep an eye out. We'll keep you updated. Other news was the Devon Townsend Project is calling it a day. Devon himself came out and said, I've decided to take a break from this band and focus on a number of other projects I've been wanting to do for some time. Now, this is sad news, but I also think it was kind of inevitable. The Devon Townsend project is wacky and quirky and it's musically amazing, but it felt like over the last couple albums, it was just starting to run its course. Now, Devon said that he's got four albums ready and waiting for other projects. So that means when it's not the end of Devon. We're not we're not going to not hear from him anymore. It just means that the Devon Townsend project has been set aside. There'll still be Devonness. There'll still be funness, and there'll still be amazing amazing musicianship going on in the coming coming years, coming months. As always, we'll keep you up to date on that. And we had album news this week. Light the Torch, the band that were formerly known as Devil You Know. That's Howard Jones of Killswitch. It's got ex-members of Bleeding Through and ex-members of All Shall Perish. They had an issue last year where their old drummer decided to take some legal action with them over the name Devil You Know. So to resolve issues and just start afresh, the guys have started a new band and it's called Light the Torch. They announced their debut album, Revival. It will be out March 30th on Nuclear Blast. If you get on the website, we've also got the first single up on the website, which is called Die Alone. Check it out. There's also the pre-order link up there. We also got news of English Slam Kings, the brutal boys themselves, ingested, are about to unleash album number four called The Level Above Human. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Ingested and you like your heavy shit, stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, get onto iTunes, get onto Bandcamp, Spotify, start listening to Ingested. Fucking brutal shit. This is the kind of stuff you want to listen to if you're into that deathcore slam genre. New album's coming out. It's going to be out very soon. Get on the website. We've got all the details there. 
And two of news this week, Head PE, the new metal rap rock G-Punk boys themselves, coming down in March, they're going to bring their worldwide Unity tour. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, we've got the link and further details on our website. Other tour news this week was iValiance have decided a rebirth is in order. And it's about fucking time. We still don't know who's the vocalist now in iValiance, but we do know that we're going to have some concept or part one, part two, part three albums coming out or EPs. Not much known at the moment, but that will all be kicking off with a release of the first piece of music on the 3rd of March. Then they'll start off the tour on the same date and they're taking Dreg along with them. So that's the Mosh news this week. Bit of everything going down. Now, time for the album reviews for the week. First off is Aussie hardcore band Ill Natured and their new album Twisted Visions out now on Last Ride Records. Newcastle hardcore five-piece Twisted Visions is their debut full-length They've been a band that have been going from strength to strength and putting in the hard yards since 2014 when they dropped their demo. In 2015, they dropped an EP. Now's the time for the debut, full length. Now's the time to launch. It's make or break, and they're certainly a band that have a lot to prove. They're a band that are kind of... They're known in the underground hardcore scene. They just... They need that launch, and this album could be the album. Or could not be the album to launch them. Let's get straight off the bat with what it is. It's heavy. It's a slab of solid, well-rounded, metallic hardcore. It's no gimmicks. It's no bullshit. It's metallic hardcore. And it's done very, very well. It's in the vein of a lot of other Aussie hardcore that's going well at the moment, which are bands like Relentless and Reactions. The only difference to those bands is ill-natured kind of grind a bit more. They've got a bit of a half-tempo, slower tempo going. Riffs are massive. The guitars are screeching and wailing in your ear. Thumping low-end, sonic, punishing drums. The lyrics are dripping in anger, pain, torment, anguish. It's just brutal and just no fucks given. It's going for your throat and it's going in hard. One interesting thing is in all of this heaviness and chaoticness, you can get lost in the noise. Ill-natured seem to balance it really well. It's really fucking heavy. It's really intense. It's packed full of emotion and a lot of atmosphere. It's just not just noise. It's very well done. Very well produced, mixed and mastered. So they've taken the time and effort and it really shows in the final product. Only negative I can find, if I've got to pick and be picky, the only negative I can find is the pacing occasionally needs to pick up. Being a slower grinding hardcore band, occasionally it can start to feel a bit samey. It can start feeling a bit too slow. And you sometimes just want it to pick up a bit. Bit of variation in between songs. Um, It is 10 tracks and sometimes some of the tracks just start to bleed into one another. But that's being very picky. And it's an interesting side note that one of the previous Aussie hardcore bands I mentioned, Reactions, they kind of started out the same way. It was a kind of that slow, intense 
kind of sound. They've now found a way to vary it up. And I definitely think Ill-Natured on their next release will vary it up a bit. Kind of change it, give a bit of all the tempos, not just one tempo. So it's very exciting to see what's ahead. It's very exciting to have some Aussie hardcore. Aussie hardcore seems to go through its spurts. It seems to come and go. So it's good to see that there is quite a few bands like we had previously. We spoke about Earthcaller. We've got some other reviews coming up in the following weeks that are hardcore as well that are Australian. It's good to see that the scene's starting to pick up again, starting to get some of itself and its belief back. Great Aussie music. It'll be very interesting to see if the scene... The Australian scene starts backing these boys. I know there's kind of that underground backing they've already got, but it'll be interesting to see if all of Australia can start backing them. It'd be great to see these guys starting to get some bigger shows, some bigger headlines, some bigger support slots, international and national. They've definitely got a lot of potential and a bright future ahead of them. It's just we need to support them. Like we always say, support your scene And if you like your hardcore, these are the boys and these kind of bands you need to back. Just wrapping it up with what it is. It's heavy, it's ruthless, it's passionate, it's raw, it's intense. Big, thick, fucking riffs, punishing vocals. It's refreshing that it's Australian instead of being international. And it's great quality. It's a 7.5 out of 10. And it's definitely worth your time if you like your hardcore or if you like your metallic hardcore. Get it. It's out now. It's ill-natured, Twisted Visions. It's out now on Last Ride Records. Get it online. It's on Bandcamp. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Support the boys. Support your scene. Next album up is Sleeping Giants' new and final album. Yep, it's their last album they're going to record and it's called I Am... And it's out now on Face Down Records. Sleeping Giant have been around since 2006. Just before they released this album, they announced that this will be their last ever album and their last ever year as a band. I believe that they're all going their separate ways. Tom Green, the vocalist, is going to keep pursuing his life as a preacher in a church. And that kind of gives you a hint at what you're getting here musically, lyrically. It is worship-laced metalcore hardcore. Take that, what you will. It is God lyrics with breakdowns. Simple as that. They are very heavy. They they go straight for the fury. There's big breakdowns, big riffs. But as soon as you see the opening song is titled Preach Core Lives, you know what you're in store for. It says what it is, and it's 30 minutes of Christian core, which, you know, it had its time. It was big in 2004. I mean, there was a time in 2004 where everything was Christian core. It felt like at the time. This band were part of that scene that really flourished during that time. They definitely, with this album, Sleeping Giant, want you to remember who they are because they're leaving with a bang musically. It's big. The real question I have for Sleeping Giant and for anyone who's a fan is do they entertain you not just if you're a Bible follower but also if you're non-religious they do give it a go they give it a fair crack big punchy breakdowns heavy riffage chants sing-alongs intense there seems to be a 
great unity in the band with the way they've written the music and the way it's delivered. The guitars work perfectly in tandem with the drums. There's ruthless patterns, big feels. It's just, it's very big, crunchy, melodic too at times. Green's vocals are definitely pissed off and passionate and dedicated to his message. Like I said, it is all lyrically about God. It's all about worship, redemption. It feels preachy at times. It feels forced at times. And it feels like you need to be in church. It means church breakdowns. They are a solid band. There's a bit of talent definitely in this band. They are all about God, worship, redemption, preaching. And to be honest, that's all it is. I can't, I'm someone that musically is always there at the forefront. It's got to really catch me. It's got to be talent. It's got to be quality. But the lyrics are also something that's important to me. And if I can't connect with the lyrics, I'm not going to get into it. Just like I can't get into woe is me emo lyrics, I can't get into praise the Lord lyrics. And that's what Sleeping Giant do. Being their final album, it is definitely their best work. They're going out on a high, but there's no variation and diversity in what they do. Musically, top-notch. Like I said, lyrically, I'm, I'm bored. I don't, I, I'm occasionally headbanging along, but then he screams out, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. I don't really know where to go with this review because I don't want to slander the band too much because they do what they do. It's just not for me. If you can get past the lyrics and the fact that they're all about God and you can kind of ignore that and just focus on the music, you will like this. If you do have faith and do have a belief system in God or the church, you will like this. If you like metalcore, you will like this. It's just not lyrically and contextually going to hold my attention. I tried several spins really was enjoying it at first because I thought I could ignore it several spins down the line and just too much felt like I was in church I give them credit for what they do but they didn't sell out they didn't go commercial it definitely is heavy but it's just over the over the top way over the top with the worship so for me I just I don't want to get too much into it I give them I give them four out of ten. That is Sleeping Giant. It is I am. It's out now on Face Down Records. Up next in album reviews is the new album by Mammoth Grinder, which is called Cosmic Crypt. Out now on Relapse Records. Mammoth Grinder is made up of former and current members of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, and Darkest Hour. Cosmic Crypt is their fourth full length. And I didn't know about them at first. No idea. I know of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, and Darkest Hour. I did know there was, you know, talk of a, a supergroup-esque thing that they were doing. But I hadn't heard any of their previous releases before I went into this. Stylistically, this is getting a blender and putting punk, hardcore, stoner, doom metal spinning it on fucking fast, taking it out and spreading crusty as fuck death metal all over the top of it. And that sounds like a lot of shit going on because there is a lot of shit going on. 
but it is very impressive. I'm really surprised with this. I I didn't think I was going to like it as soon as the first track came in. It's a bit of a slower, upbuilding song, and I was a bit questioning it, going, oh, I don't know, could this work? Could this be what I'd like? I came out of it going, fuck yeah, Mammoth Grinder, fucking sick, sick artwork. Got to check these guys out, get back into more of their discography. It's definitely brutal. It's non-stop bombarding noise pure aggression and brutality it just fucking slaps you around the face a few times and just doesn't let go there's a big stoner doom feel as i said but the thing about that is it's mixed in with that punk hardcore death metal sound it's very much a concoction of everything and you think having that much going on it would start to be a bit all over the shop it just blends and balances it perfectly it's very impressive how it's very well balanced in all the musical styles going on. The production's very garage, very punky, crusty, you know, underground sound to it, which is what they want, and it works for the music. If it was polished and too slick, I think you wouldn't appreciate the aggression and velocity that it's coming at. There's also an interesting thing that it's very dark, eerie, and evil. And the musicianship of all the guys coming from all of these different genres and different bands seem to really work with each other very well and seem to tick all the boxes. They complement each other perfectly. Technically, it doesn't at times sound like there's much going on because you might get lost in the noise, but technically this is next level. This is amazing. It's the kind of band that some people are going to really enjoy, some people are not going to be sure about, and some people are going to ignore. But you've got to give it a go. I really recommend giving it a go. On first spin, I was a bit confused. I was a bit like, oh, shit. I don't know if I fucking like this. And I wanted to like it. By the time I got to the third listen, fucking love it. Very impressed. Very big future for a band that is technically, I'd say, a side project. Technically, I'd call it a supergroup. But they're a band that I wouldn't be surprised that they'll get a lot of attention for this release. And it is simply an all-out, pure, non-stop, violent attack. It's so vicious, so angry, so much rage. And it's well done, top-notch, well-crafted. And it bashes you around, screams in your face and says, bring it the fuck on. Really well done. Mammoth Grinder, the album's Cosmic Crypt. It's out now on Relapse Records. And we give it a 7.5 out of 10. Very good. Really impressed. Our fourth and final review is Machine Head Catharsis. Out now on Nuclear Blast Records. Everyone knows about this album now. Really surprised if you don't. So much attention, so much negativity, so much social media chaos has surrounded this album. Everything from Rob Flynn calling out Decibel for a negative review, to fans commenting with mass negativity and anger towards Rob and the boys on their videos, on their posts, people unfollowing them. A lot, a lot of attention has taken to this album. So it's album number nine in their discography, and it is 
probably the most polarizing album they've ever done. Which is saying a lot considering they did release the quite publicly new metal sounding album The Burning Red, which gained a lot of attention and negativity because not only did the band start to rap within their music, but Rob famously did the blonde tips. Reviewing this album has been quite stressful. The whole idea of the Moshone is we do do honest, no bullshit reviews, and I want to give an honest opinion on this album. So when reviewing this album, we're just going to try and keep it simple because there is a lot of articles, there's a lot of videos, there's a lot of attention, as I said, on this album. Machine Head, we do know, have always tweaked their sound. They went from the thrash sound on Burn My Eyes, The More Things Change, They went new metal on the Burning Red Supercharger. They then went to the epic groove bass sound on Through the Ashes and the Blackening. And then the last two albums were still on the groove basis, but there was also a bit of tweaking and a bit of alternative sounding. And those two albums were Unto the Locust and Bloodstone and Diamonds. Coming into this one, Catharsis Album 9, Rob did say and in a way warned everyone that this would be their most commercially viable and melodic sounding album they've ever written. In a way, Rob wanted to try and open people to not expect the Blackening Volume 2. He wanted people to go in with an open mind, and it feels that a lot of people haven't gone in with an open mind. People have approached this album and just gone, this is going to be the Blackening And then it's not, and it's like, oh, I fucking hate it. Unfortunately for Machine Head, it's going to do that for 70% of their fan base. But is the album actually that bad? I don't think it is. I don't think it's that bad. It's definitely not amazing, but it's not horrible. There is 15 tracks on this album, and it's running in at around 75 minutes. It's very lengthy, obviously, running at 75 minutes. It's very emotional, and it's very politically driven, lyrically. It explores all the styles and all the variety that Machine Head do on one album. There's the groove thrash elements, there's the new metal elements, and then, interestingly enough, they've brought in the acoustic ballad kind of moments. The album Catharsis definitely heads down a different path that Machine Head have done before. The reason it heads down a different path is clearly Rob gives zero fucks now. He's a bit bored of doing the same thing. They're not playing festivals anymore. They're only playing headline shows. He d- says he doesn't have time and doesn't want to waste the band's performances in a festival setting. Now with the album, I think he just wants to explore all of his creativity. Whether it hits the mark or not, you have to give the guy some credit for at least giving it a go. Because nine albums into his career, it is his band, he is allowed that opportunity to explore. Musically, this album is still Machine Head. Like I said, it is covering all their styles, but musically, it's on form. You know, things like the riffs in the opening track, Volatile, uh, trademark Machine Head. It's got the groove, it's got the aggression, it's got the riffs. There's songs like Razorblade Smile. If you take away the lyrics and how cringeworthy they are, it is a very good song musically. You've got the Slipknot sounding song, Grind You Down, which makes you bob your head along. Now, for all of those positive musical moments, there is a lot of negative musical moments. 
songs like Triple Beam, it really comes across as a rap rock song. You've got two acoustic ballad songs, Bastards, which is the song that they released, and also their other one on the album called Behind a Mask. These songs feel out of place and don't feel like they deserve to be on a Machine Head album. Ballads are allowed to be on albums. It just feels like it's forced when it's coming from Machine Head. Lyrically, like I said, it's very politically driven. It feels like Rob thinks he needs to be politically spoken out now. It feels like Rob thinks he needs to be a political warrior. Sometimes it works, sometimes it just becomes too much. On the song California Bleeding, it starts to become very preachy, very forced. I cringed a bit at what he's saying and what he's screaming about. One of the highlights of the album is definitely Heavy Lies the Crown. It feels like Machine Head all over. It's nine minutes long. It stands out from the rest. It's got the classical groove, the slow building, a big dramatic middle, and a very slow ending. It's very amazing sounding. It's very Machine Head sounding. That and the opening track, Volatile, very much stand out from the pack. Now, that's not saying the other songs are really bad, but they're just not good enough. The album feels like there's too much going on. It hasn't been trimmed. It hasn't been thought through. It feels like they wrote 15 songs, and instead of going, is there 15 songs worthy of an album, they just put them all on the album and said, there you go. It's sloppy and bloated at times. It's polarizing and lacking real direction and real vision, which is shocking to say when it comes to Machine Head. Machine Head always seemed to have a vision, and it always seems to work. I guess at this stage of their career, we expected more consistency. Unfortunately, we've got an album that's very much like Supercharger, which I would say is their worst in their discography. Will they lose fans? Possibly. Will they gain fans? Possibly. The interesting thing with sales so far after a week is it's sat in at number 10 in the ARIA charts of Australia. It's sat in in the top 20 of American charts. So there's still a fan base that will go out there and buy their album. How many fans have they lost with this album? The next step for Machine Head will be very interesting to see. Are they going to maintain and stick with this variety sound or are they going to go back and harness and focus on one sound it's definitely not the worst album machine head have done but it's definitely not the best it's very middle and it's a five out of ten if you like machine head give it a go give it a spin try and give it more than one spin it will grow on you if you are interested with where they've gone maybe peek out a few of the singles There is quality, but it's hidden around all the mess. 5 out of 10. Machine Head, disappointing, but not their worst. So that's reviews for this week. A lot of interesting ones, some exciting ones. Send us an email or hit us up on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know what you think. Do you agree with the reviews? Do you think something was better or worse than we said it was? Let us know. The email is themoshzone at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with at themoshzone. Give us some feedback. Tell us about albums that you want reviewed that we haven't yet. 
Coming up next is our interview with Shane of Silverstein. It was a privilege and an honor to get. Coming up next is our interview with Shane of Silverstein. Great to get the opportunity to sit down with a singer of an iconic, legendary band, but also an iconic man in the podcast scene. That's coming up now. Um, so first off, another Australian tour um, coming up in May uh, with Comeback Kid. I've lost count of how many tours now, but Australia seems to be somewhere you guys constantly um, tour. Do you, do you think you've always just naturally suited the fan base here or is it something you've worked hard on? Because um, a lot of bands don't come to Australia that often. It seems to be really, you know every four years they kind of come down but you guys are here nearly every year to two years yeah no um we just we're just kind of crazy work ethic people i mean our drummer uh paul who's who's also our our manager he's just a real go-getter and he you know um likes us to you know continually go back to places and uh i don't know how many years in a row we've come to to australia now i mean i came last year with river oaks as well, so you know we've um, we toured it a lot, and it's funny, you know. I think the first time we ever left North America and toured internationally, it was actually Australia it was the first place we went, even before we went to the UK. Oh wow! Which uh, it was kind of crazy, and, and back then, you know, it was just about it was just about us um, being able to take a free trip to Australia. Yeah, get out we, and we see we the country. You're right. It's like, wait a second. You're going to give us like pay for our flights, give us transportation, give us beds to sleep in. We get to play shows. Wait, and you're going to feed us? Okay, we're in. We're in. Oh wait, wait. Oh, you're going to pay us too? We couldn't believe it. You know, and it was, it was, it was. That's that's what it was like. You know, that was uh, 2004. We're still on our first album, and, and um, then we came over. We came down there. You know, and. You couldn't believe everyone singing all their words. It was like crazy. Like I was like, how did you even know your songs? We're so far away from home, uh, you know. And and right away it was it was the best feeling. Uh, and the first time I think we'd ever experienced that. Like it was crazy enough when we we play in like California or Texas or something like that. Like that's far enough away. And I know our songs, but when you get on a plane, it takes like twenty four hours to get somewhere, and then they still know your songs. Um, you know, for us, that was like pretty, pretty cool. Um, and that opened the doors for us for, for international traveling and our, our passion for it. And, um, I think we've just sort of always remembered that. And that's why we just enjoy coming to Australia so much. I mean, it's quite, I mean, being a band, I mean, what, this year's your 18th year as a band, um, not only have you guys grown up, but the audience has kind of grown up with you. We're finally legal, dude. Finally legal. It's it's. Do you do you? It's quite in. But do you? Did you ever think you'd still be relevant? I mean, some bands, um, in the style that you guys play, which I mean, you know, everyone loves to pigeonhole with a genre tag nowadays. You know, some people say you're post-hardcore. Some mm-hmm. people say you're screamo. Um, a lot of the bands of that style that started up when you guys started have fallen away, but you guys are still relevant. I mean, you're still churning out albums. Um, Dead Reflection, uh, last year's album, a lot of people 
saying it was one of the heaviest things you've done. I mean, is that something you guys feel yeah. pressured to do? Do you feel pressure to stay relevant, or is it just kind of naturally happens? Well, well, to answer your first question about, you know, if we thought we'd, we'd be here, I think I can answer that as just hell no. I mean, we, we have to understand the time we come from, you know, like we're, we were influenced by, you know, uh, you know, musically to extent, but, but just as like in terms of careers, we were uh, influenced by a lot of late nineties, hardcore bands and late nineties, you know, emo bands and, and stuff like that. And all those bands, all my favorite bands from that era, they all put out two records and broke up. Mm. That's what you did. You put out two records on labels like Victory or labels like Revelation or labels like Evil Vision. You put out two records and you broke up. And you got know, back to real life because, and the reason bands did that was because, um, you know, it wasn't sustainable. And that's what I assumed was going to happen. I thought, even up to when we were about to release Discovering the Waterfront, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be it. And then obviously we had so much success. Like, like I, mean, I was, who was I kidding myself? Anyways, but that's what we believe, uh, you know. So we never thought we would be putting out eight albums. There were no hardcore bands, you know, emo bands putting out eight albums. Like there was a couple that had been around a long time, like you know, Sick of It All, maybe or something like that. And, and you know, there was punk bands that had been doing it forever, like Bad Religion, but we never put ourselves in that category. So now, you know, and I've, I've called us the bad religion of emo before. That's, that's something you've both <laughs> done. Um, really, you know, we, we, we just, we can't believe it. And what the best feeling about it is to tie into your question about dead reflection. It's great that we're making the best music we've made, you know, 18 years in and we're putting out the best, best records we've ever put out. And that, that is an amazing feeling. Um, you know, we play these songs live and the young fans and the old fans are all going crazy for the new shit. And it's just crazy. You know, you just never, you never expect that. Um, because I'll tell you, when I go to see most of my favorite bands that have been around for 18, 20 years, I don't get that excited when they play new shit. I want to hear the old shit. It's a real thing. So I don't know what's thing, going on yeah. with us, but, uh, but I am, I am really happy about it. Now with, with Dead Reflection, just getting into that album a little bit. Um, being that it's, you know, it's such a different sounding album and I know that, um, you've spoken a little bit, um, not only on the podcast, but through other interviews, um, it being such a well-received album, but it was so dark for you personally. Um, is that a, you know, how do you feel about that? Is that a sense of relief? Are you proud of that? Um, cause now I know you've spoken about how you've come out of that dark cloud um but seeing that such a dark period of your time is so well received how does that how does that affect you like do you go oh that's great or do you go oh i'm not sure you know well i'm really happy with the record you know Mm. i'm really happy with the record the way the record came out and you know just to, to take you back you know when we started working on the record i was a mess and uh I wasn't, I didn't know which way it was up. And, and I, I, the one thing that helped me pull myself out of the darkness was the process of writing the record of knowing, Hey, I have to be here every day. I have to be working every day. And 
once you start getting a little success, once we started writing a couple songs and we realized they were good, then we realized, then I realized, you know, personally that, um, I wasn't worthless. Mm-hmm. I stopped feeling worthless. I stopped, started feeling good about myself. And then from there, I got confidence again. We started writing even better songs. I started writing even better lyrics. And that record just became very special. And we knew we knew about halfway through writing it, and when we were starting to record it, I'd say, that's when we knew this record was going to be something special. And right away, that made me feel better, and, and, it, and it brought me out of it. And, and you know, um, I just think that, that it, it was a perfect storm of of um, uh, of the way my life was shaking out and, and having to write that record and the way the songs came together, uh, you know, with, with me and Paul Mark and, and working with new producer and Derek Hoffman. I think everything just was a perfect storm to make that record great. And, um, you know, I'm fine with that, you know? I think, like, it's, it's great that the record, that that happened. If, if any of those things didn't happen, the record wouldn't have, wouldn't be the same and probably wouldn't be as good. So, you know, that's fine. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the fear, I guess, that maybe someone will say is like, oh, well, what about the next album? Like, what if, you know, you have to put yourself in a terrible state of mind to, you know, make another great record? And I don't believe that at all. I mean, you, you know, Discovering the Waterfront was a perfect storm of different, you know, events. Mm. And Different in the Sand, which is another one of my favorite records, was a perfect storm of, of a whole other, you know, uh, series of events. So I think every record needs to be its own thing, and you can't repeat it. You can't repeat the process. And that is how you make great music consistently. Yeah, leaving every album as its own entity, basically. Uh, of course, it has to be. Mm. Every record has to be. And if you try to make if we tried to make Dead Reflection Part 2, it won't be as good. You know, it's the same way when someone tries to make a sequel for a movie. Almost never as good as the original. There's like five in the history of movies where the sequel is better than the original. Because you try to recreate something and you can't. You can't. So don't try with music. It does not work. So, I mean, creatively, obviously doing... Does River Oaks really help... Um, Silverstein. I mean, some people think having another project would, um, you know, hold it back in a way. But do you feel that having River Oaks going at the same time is allowing Silverstein to be the unique beast it is? And then when it comes to Silverstein time, it's really channeling a bit more aggression. Is it? Is that River Oaks really helped in giving you more creative juices? I don't know. I don't really know. There's two very different entities, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, River Oaks, just kind of my solo thing. And I haven't done a ton of work with it. I've done, you know, a, a, I, some, some tour dates, which is, you know, me up there by myself, which I think is actually really personally helps me become a better performer. I think it makes me better with Silverstein too. I, you know, I, I've learned a lot about what it's like being on stage alone. Uh, but I think musically and creatively with, with what I do with River Oaks, I think that it's, um, it's, it's just my own thing. And 
uh, I'm able to, to use a lot of different influences that maybe I have that, that don't find their way into Silverstein as easily. Uh, but but I think we've been doing Silverstein for so long, uh, and we're all so comfortable with each other and with the way we make records and the way we, we write songs, the way we work, that I don't think River Oaks has much impact at all on it, okay. you know? To be honest, I think that that's kind of my own thing I do on the side, um, you know, to, to, for my own outlet. But I don't really think it affects at all, you know, what we all do collectively at Silverstein at all, really. So doing, I mean, now 18 years, I mean, is there plenty of gas left? I mean, you know, you never thought you'd be at this stage, but, I mean, is there still the same drive that you had when you started out around 2000? Yeah, I mean, the drive, the drive changes. You know, um, there's always different goals, I think. And they're, they're ever, they're constantly, constantly, you know, goals are, are being, um, you know, uh, set and goals are being, um, you know, uh, goals are being had, you know, it, it really is, um, uh, cool like that, you know? And, and I think a lot of times early on in our career, you know, we had goals like, like we wanted to go to California. Okay, we went to California, and then it's like, well, now what? Well, now we want to sell out Interaction. Well, we sold out Interaction. Now what? Now we want to sell out House of Blues, Anaheim. You know, it, it's those kinds of goals that just go up and up and up. And um, you know, the underlying goal, though, it doesn't get talked about all the time, is the goal of having fun mm. and the goal of enjoying every day that you're doing this. And that, to us, is the most important. And when we started the band, we started it because it's fun. It's fun to play music. It's fun to play loud music, and, and it's fun to pl hit drums as hard as you can, and riff on guitars, and hear that bass, and scream into a microphone. Like, all those things are fun. And when those aren't fun anymore, we won't see the band. But they are fun, and we're continually having new ways to make it fun, whether it's traveling to new places, whether it's making uh, different types of records and songs, um, ma making new music videos, doing different kinds of tours, whatever it is, we find a way to enjoy it. And, and um, you know, I think, I, I mean, if you told me again 18 years ago, we'd be doing this, I'd never believe you. And I wouldn't... I thought I would be this person and, and, and enjoying it this much still after this long. I would never have thought, but we really, really, really do enjoy it. Part of part, part of that, obviously, with having fun is also, I mean, do you put together the tours? Do you guys have a say in the tour lineups? Because the May tour down here in Australia is with um, fellow Canadians, Comeback Kid. Um, and that, from, yeah. from, from someone in my um, mid-30s, it's a pretty exciting lineup because it's... It's got you guys, which give that post-hardcore screamo sound, and then you've got the kind of straight-in-your-face kind of hardcore sound. Is that something you guys now like doing? Do you like a bit of a mixed bill? Because that way other fans that don't notice yeah. you notice you. Or do you prefer the same yeah. style? Or is it a bit no, of No, I think, I think we've always been very comfortable playing with different kinds of bands because we've never really fit... You know, we've never really fit into one genre ourselves anyways. You know, we've always, on all of our records, we have a wide range of, of stuff, you know. Even Dead Reflection, we have 
we have poppy songs, we have heavy songs, we have metal songs, we have, uh, you know, emo songs. It's, it's all over the map, even with our new record. So for us, you know, we're doing a tour with, with Tonight Alive in America, uh, you know, coming up in a couple weeks. And when that's done, we're going to tour with Comeback Kid in Australia. So it all works, and we're, we're lucky. And, and to answer your first question, we put together all the lineups ourselves. We pick all the bands we tour with. Wow. Um, we've been trying to do to work it out with Comeback Kid for years. Um, you know, we've, we've been trying to do so many tours with them, and it's just never worked out. And finally, here we are, and, and it, it's we couldn't be more stoked that it's in Australia, which is one of our favorite places. So I think the tour is not to be missed. Um, and I hope people come out come out in droves for this thing because it's it's going to be you know one of the best tours of the year I think I mean great lineup and and uh, for us we're going to have so much fun with our friends. It's definitely one of the so far tours announced. It's just a solid lineup. I mean that's something Australia doesn't get a lot of. Um, so like I was saying, we get a bit of both there. Speaking of um, tours, you guys have always been a bit of a um, You've always, I don't mean in a negative way, but you've been a Vans Warped band, if that makes sense. Um, you know, you started out uh-huh. really doing it when it was a early thing. Um, you just did it last year. I mean, how's it feel for you guys, or for you personally, knowing that that's coming to an end? I mean, Vans Warped, for all the negative it gets, yeah. it's also so positive. Um for what it brings to the scene and what yeah. it brings to kids. Yeah. How does it feel that that's ending? Yeah, sure. I mean, no, it's... Sorry, finish up. I didn't hear what you said. No, just um, just how, you know, it it's negatively looked upon, but I think it needs to be positively looked at, Vans Warped, and it's now coming to an end this year. Um, is that is that a sorry state to see that something as positive is ending, or is it kind of like hopefully there'll be new things on the horizon? Like, how does that feel for for well, a band that started there? We're hopeful people. I mean, we're right. We're, we're hopeful people, and we. Um, I, I hope something comes in and replaces it. Whether it's something that Kevin Lyman is doing, or other people, um, you know, that have been working with Kevin Lyman, if, if they, you know, do something because, you know, what tour is a big deal, man, and a lot of people work on that tour every summer, um, and those people, like, what is going to happen now? And what are all those bands that, that tour in the summer, what are they going to do now? So, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be more club tours, but hopefully something comes in and fills the void. Um, but for us, you know, Warp Tour was something, as a fan, um, I went to the third one ever in 1997, uh, and I've been every year since either performing or, 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 uh, or attending. Uh, and I love Warped Tour. And, and I don't know, you know, you bring up, oh, people say you know negative things about it. I don't really know why. Mm. I don't really know what they're talking about. Because in my opinion, there's nothing negative at all about the Warped Tour. It's, it's a great festival tour. You can see a whole bunch of bands for like, you know, 50 bands for like $30. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's great. So I don't know, uh, you know, what people are talking about. And for us, it's been awesome too. I mean, we... They gave us a chance early on, and, you know, we did, you know, good work for them. We drew people, and we, you know, we, we followed the rules, and now, you know, we've we've done, geez, I don't even know how many dates. I think Billy added them up and said we've done, like, 250 Warped Tour dates Whoa. in our career. 
something crazy like that. And um, we've enjoyed every single one. And, uh, you know, it could be a hot day. It can be raining. Your equipment can get destroyed. You know, there's been friends of ours that have been struck by lightning. I mean, it can be crazy. But it, at the end of the day, you know, we've made so many uh, great connections with fans and, and you know, uh, just just so much great things have happened to us because of the Vans Warped Tour. And very sad to see it go. Um, but I hope that either Kevin or, or someone else in that camp is, is going to be filling the void with some other kind of, you know, some kind of punk rock festival. Well, that, that kind of leads me into, you know how you're saying, oh, I don't know why people say negative things. I think that's, uh, my, that's I think that's just the current state, um, well, I feel that of, because of social media, the metal elitists, um, for some reason, seem to have now, there seems to be more of them. Um, now, for a band that started out in MySpace days, um, to now, do you... Oh, well, we were before the we were before the MySpace days. Okay, so you came in as MySpace was a thing. We were way in, but we were in before basically the internet was a thing. But but I do but remember the MySpace era, yeah. And do you, do you see do you see social media um, as a good thing or a bad thing or a bit of both nowadays? Oh, it's great! It's such a good thing. And you know, talking about my podcast, I just had this week. I had um, Rob Flynn on the podcast. <sighs> Really? And from Machine Head. And he was talking about how back in the 90s, you know, before the internet was a thing, he said that, you know, some of the press, you know, especially in the UK, they turned on the band and they wouldn't even write an article about the band. And he said that because, you know, the press wouldn't write an article about the band, nobody knew about the records coming out. What? And it blew my mind that that's how important the internet is now. Mm. Because if you think about it, what else are you going to do? The only way to get, you know, your information into, you know, the fans' hands back then was through the media. Now you can control it yourself through through social media. I can put out a statement, you know, and it can be put on, um, you know, on my personal... Twitter or my personal Instagram or my website. Back in those days, there was no way to do that. There was no way to get your message out. So it's kind of it's kind of mind blowing how much we take that for granted now in our current era of social media. That I can be I can be like, hey, new record, new Silverstein record out now. Boom, it's out. I'm promoting my own record. I couldn't do that in 19 you know 94. Yeah, the power's back you know, in your I hands. Couldn't. So when he was talking about that, it blew my mind, you know, how much we take that stuff for granted and the importance of social media. And, and um, you know, we, we always embrace that stuff. You know, when, when uh, before MySpace came out, I remember Friendster came was a thing. <laughs> and Friendster came out, and we were one of the first bands with a Friendster account. Fire and then that. when MySpace came out, we were one of the first bands with a MySpace account. And um, we had a Facebook you know, account before any other bands did, and you know, and along the way, we've gotten all whatever set up wrong, and they've all you know done good things for our band, I think. And now, like now, you can't imagine starting a band and not having like an Instagram account or something. It's like now, it's like as, as commonplace as having a song. So you know, it's uh, 
it, it's amazing though uh, the importance now and 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 you know people forget that there was a time when that didn't exist. Yeah, the the scene the the landscape has definitely changed and for the better. I mean, like you said, the power's back in the artist's hand in many way, and with things like the social media and that. Last real thing I wanted to chat with you about is how did you um, what gave you the idea to start up the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast? Well, I thought it was a funny name, uh, and I wanted to do originally I wanted to do a YouTube channel or something like that where uh, I was interviewing other lead singers like on camera, mm-hmm. uh, and then I kind of realized that was going to be a lot harder than I thought. You know, having to get video equipment and edit video, and then also have to be you know physically in the same place as them. You know, I I can't do that over the phone, so um, if someone had the idea that I should do it as a podcast. So um, that's when it, how it started, and then I just you know started interviewing some of my friends, and and um, before I knew it, a lot of people were uh, really excited about what I was doing, and um, you know here we are, 109 episodes later, and uh, it's going really really well. It's definitely um, it's kind of in a way it's pioneered the way for a lot of the heavy um, heavy metal heavy styled podcasts and yeah 109 episodes it's insane and frequent listener um i've got the stitcher app and all that making sure i get get my day my weekly listens um and you're definitely one of one of two people that inspired me to um get podcasting going it was you and joe rogan um so um it's definitely wow well i'm in good company there Oh yeah, I mean you. I mean you. You're the only one that really seems to touch um, heavy music for me, and then Joe Rogan just for his random, right. random things. So just mm-hmm. before I finish, Shane, I like to do something a bit random, which is kind of like um, pick pick your pick your poison. It's called. So you got one or the other, and you pick which one you'd okay. prefer. So pizza, okay. pizza or burger. I'm uh, sorry, what? A pizza or a burger? Ooh, I'm going pizza. Okay. Chicken or beef? I'm a vegetarian, so I'm going none of the above on that one. Okay, so tofu or spinach? Yeah, I- I'll go tofu or spinach. Well, I'll pick both. Oh, okay. I mean, both, both very good. Hard to leave one out. Yeah, I love spinach. I'll take spinach. Um... Cinema or watching it on the couch? Oh, cinema for sure. Love the environment, love the movie theater, love the whole experience, love the smell of popcorn. Mm. Uh, No way. No way. Too many distractions at home on the couch. Now, this one's interesting because you live in Canada, so you're used to one of them, but beach or snow? Beach. Ooh. Like, dude, I, I didn't tell you, but about ten minutes ago, I was driving through like the gnarliest snowstorm, uh, <laughs> and it, I'm very happy to be on some clear roads now. So yes, I, I am very ready for the beach. I, I wish that we were coming to uh, Australia now and not in like four months, because I know in four months it's going to be well. I put it in quotes, cold. Yeah, uh, it's so, going to be it's going to be uh, like yeah, tw- I, I'm, I'm 25 degrees Celsius. Dude, Oh, yeah. I am missing the beach. Mosh pit or up the back watching? 
Well, if I'm on stage, I want people to be in the pit. Mm -hmm. If I'm at the show, I'm going to be at the back uh, with my foot against the wall watching because that's because uh, I'm old. That's yeah. basically that's what happens when you get old. <laughs> um, not many more to go. Hockey or baseball? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I'm going with baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport of all time, but shout out to hockey. I do love hockey as a Canadian. So, uh, go East, go. So, who's your baseball team? Blue Jays. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Um, Ramones or Dead Kennedys? Oh, uh, Dead Kennedys for sure. I love Dead Kennedys. Love their songs. Love their message. And... Nothing against the Ramones. I mean, they're fine. I always thought they were a little overrated. Well, uh, you've taken taken the words out of my mouth. Say, no, uh, it's it's kind of. I feel like they're a band now that are just loved, but weren't really loved back in the day. It's just one of those things. Um, yeah. Slayer or Pantera? What was it? Or Pantera? Slayer. Well, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Slayer. Uh, I think less racist than Pantera. <laughs> so let's go with let's go with Slayer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, go with Slayer. Safe pick. More um, satanic, more satanic, and less racist. So that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, good choice. Um, last two: um, CD or streaming. Uh kind of my two least favorites i like i like vinyl uh Ooh. but i i gotta say the convenience of streaming is pretty good these days the fact that i can uh literally have the history of music on my phone uh at all times is as long as i have a connection that is is uh it's pretty amazing so let's give it to streaming and last one touring or recording i'm going with touring Okay. It's less stressful, you know. Uh, recording is is great and and very rewarding. In the end of the day, when you have this record, you have something to show for it. At the end of a tour, all you have is memories. Whereas at the end of recording, you have you have a product. But touring is is just living in the moment is great, and you know, and and the stress of recording sometimes can be can be. Uh, pretty tough and it could be pretty tedious you know recording that's actually refreshing to hear because a lot of people just say recording so hmm, I like it yeah I know I like doing better um, thank you so much Shane um, just to wrap up the tour is in May uh, with Comeback Kid um, tickets are through I think they're through Oztick or Ticket Tech get on Facebook um, I'll be posting a link on there for all the details um, also, Dead Reflection, um, last year's album is on iTunes, um, Spotify, and all those things. Also, it's at JB Hi-Fi for anyone that likes the physical edition. Um, and Lead Singer Syndrome, um, it's on Stitcher, um, it's on all those good podcast apps. Uh, thank you so much, Shane. Anywhere that you get a podcast, you can listen to Lead Singer Syndrome. Exactly. Thank you so much, dude. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed it, and uh, all the best. Hope to see you in Australia. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to getting down to the show. Hopefully get to meet you in person as well. Yeah, come say hi, man. All right, legend. Thanks so much, Shane. Have a good rest of your day. All right.
Take care, you too. Bye now. Bye. And that was our interview with Shane of Silverstein. Thanks again to the man for taking time out for the Mosh Zone. Great to get a chance to sit down and have a chat and get an insight into the man and his music. That is the end of the show for this week. That is episode three, Mosh Zone week three, done and dusted. As always, join the Mosh Zone community. Send us an email, themoshzone at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at the Mosh Zone. Give us some feedback. Send us some questions. Tell us what you've seen live lately. Tell us about albums you like and dislike. Tell us about albums you want us to review. We've got another action-packed show set up for next week. Make sure you subscribe, like, and download all of the episodes. Go back and get episode two and episode one if you missed them. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Open the bird.